Welcome to another episode of She's at the Wheel Fan Life Podcast. How are you doing? Now, before we get on to this episode, I do just want to shout out the lovely Mark, half of the dream team, Sophie and Mark from Van Life Eats. And Mark now has a Van Life podcast. It's called Driving to Freedom and I would highly recommend checking it out. He's got three episodes out so far and it was so nice to hear another UK person talking about their experience of full-time van life. So go ahead, check it out. I listened to it on Spotify. Again, it's called Driving to Freedom and it's just lovely. I really enjoyed it. So well done, Mark. I can't wait to hear the next episode. Now, as I said last week, I love hearing from you guys. If you would like to tell me about your van or your plans for the future, you can email me at she's at the wheel at gmail.com. In future, I am going to be doing a listener email episode, so please do get in touch with me. I love hearing what you're up to out there. It really is brilliant. So please do email me. She's at the wheel at gmail.com. Because it's summer, I can't create the same amount of audio quality that I normally would because I have all my doors open. I've got a breeze running through the van. So you probably will be hearing a little bit more background noise than normal. I've also got a fan running. The thought of turning it all off and closing my doors to record this podcast just makes me feel ill. So I'm just going to leave it all open and just hope that you guys can understand my dilemma. So I've just got back from the Van Life Festival. What an amazing festival it was. I had such a good time. It was so great and I just want to say well done to everyone that was involved in putting it on. It was absolutely fantastic. They'd created such a great festival vibe. So I did a talk. I was a bit nervous about it, um, but actually it went so well and I'm so grateful to everyone that came to see it. The reason it went so well is because the audience was so supportive and I could just feel this kind energy coming off the audience also there were so many women in the audience which just made me so happy so if you did come and see my talk at the van life festival i just want to say a massive thank you for coming because if it wasn't for you guys it would not have gone as well so i'm back in the city back from being in the countryside in suffolk and i'm back in plymouth it has been a massive shock to the system to be back in the city I'm so knackered. I'm kind of trying to take my time to recover. All the park ups that I normally go to are just absolutely rammed from like seven in the morning until 11 at night and I just can't deal with it. So I am struggling. There is one park up which I like to go to which is normally completely deserted and that's where I actually ended up last night. It's not deserted because it's summer but compared to everywhere else it is the quietest place to go. So thank God I've got somewhere to go because I honestly just felt like leaving as soon as I got here. There's just going to be so much noise in the background here. I do apologise to everyone but this is this is the reality. Like it's not bloody Instagram like this is actually my life sometimes it's so hard like you just want a bit of peace and quiet and you just got like cars driving past constantly this morning I woke up and I just felt so crap don't even get me started about smartphones but I couldn't access the swimming pool app to try and find out if I could go for a swim I didn't want to drive all the way there to find out because you know everything's you've got to book it nowadays. I was getting so stressed. All I wanted to do was have a shower. I was getting really upset. The other thing is my living space is ridiculous at the moment. Like my bike's in here and it's just such a faff. Like it's so ridiculous. I was just feeling like crap. And sometimes you just feel like you just don't want to get out of bed when it's like that. But I'm quite proud of myself actually, because like one of the things I talked about in the talk I did was the fact that sometimes it's so chaotic and the only thing you can do is to take it one thing at a time and that's what I did I was like just do one thing at a time 
sort it out, you'll be okay. Then I realised I didn't have any coffee filters and I nearly lost the plot, but there is a cafe close by that I went and had a coffee. So I'm back in the city, feeling pretty overwhelmed. I'm hoping that it'll pass, but it feels right now like a nightmare. I don't feel like I've got anywhere I can go that's like quiet and safe and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I am feeling a bit crap at the moment. Another reason that I'm feeling bad is because I had a really shitty drive back. I It's 180 miles from Stratford to Plymouth. That's where the festival was, um, Stratford-upon-Avon. And I decided that I was going to start my journey at 5pm. Normally, I never do night driving because it tends to turn into a nightmare quite quickly. But I was like, nope, I can do this. It's straight down the motorway. I'll be home in a few hours. I just really wanted to get home. Well, that turned into a complete nightmare. They'd actually closed the A38, which is the main road into Devon. And I went on an absolute nightmare two-hour tour of the diversions. They were so confusing and there was also like two diversions happening at the same time. Even thinking about it now is making me feel bad. And I ended up driving for two hours so tired with just absolute like nightmare of confusion as, as to where I was going. I finally escaped the diversion and got back on the A38 and I was so tired. I think it was like 11 o'clock by this point. I didn't take regular breaks. I, sh I did take some breaks, but I didn't have that much of a break in the drive and I was just absolutely wrecked. And then I stopped by the side of the road and there were cars going by at like 40 miles an hour and every time a car went past it would like shake the van and they felt like so close to the van and I was just laying there like what have I done to myself I'd also downed loads of coffee so I couldn't even sleep anyway <laughs> and then at four in the morning I finally decided I cannot just lie here anymore so I went into this car park of a hotel which I've actually been turfed off before but I was like I do not care I just need to find somewhere to sleep so I ended up sleeping there for a bit and then the next day I headed off for the final hour or so back to my hometown but what it did mean is that when I finally got here I was just wrecked it was so horrible oh my god I still haven't recovered like I'm just knackered I'm never doing it again I'm literally never driving at night again so I get back and I do my normal right I'm completely absolutely fucked what do I need to do I need to go to a spa so I went to a spa hotel I paid 20 quid and I spent two hours in a jacuzzi and that was the only thing that was going to help me Funnily enough, I did realise that their car park is unrestricted. So I might be hanging out in their car park during the summer because it was relatively quiet. Now, as I said, I've just been to the amazing Van Life Festival. And one of my absolute highlights of the weekend was catching up with this episode's guest, Honor May. I have been obsessed with Honor ever since I saw her pink, girly, feminine and high-spec van build on Instagram. Honor May is a perfect example of girly van life and I hope that her van inspires others who might feel underrepresented in this community as it's not very often that you see a van that has prioritised shoe storage and hair straighteners but Honor has definitely done this and it really is a work of art. Honor built her van single-handedly and she has just recently moved in. She's been through so much to get to where she is today, including her original van being stolen and her insurance company refusing to pay out. Honor is also a highly successful porn star. It was so interesting to talk to someone in this industry. As you can imagine, I've not done much of that in the past and... As someone who enjoys interviewing people, to interview someone who is so unique was definitely one of the highlights of doing this podcast so far and I just want to thank her again for giving her time to me and for inviting me into her beautiful van for our chat. 
Obviously, the conversation does get a little bit explicit, but I wouldn't say it's very extreme at all. So if you had reservations about that, you don't need to worry. Saying that, you can always give it a go, and if it does get a bit much for you, you can turn off. As she did say to me at one point, am I making you blush? And I was like, yes, you are, but please continue. This is really interesting. Someone like Honor creates lots of opinions so if you do have an opinion or thoughts on this episode I would love to hear from you you can email me again it's she's at the wheel at gmail.com I was so inspired by her confidence strength and self-belief and I hope that she inspires you too so without further ado here is the interview with Honor May so much for having me here at yes. Van Life Festival 2022. Oh, I'm loving this energy. So it is my absolute pleasure to welcome one of my absolute favourite people that I love to follow on Instagram and a new member of the Van Life community, Honor May. Ooh, round of applause, everyone. <laughs> welcome to She's at the Wheel. It's really great to have you. It is an honour to be here, no pun intended. So, Honor, let's start with, obviously, you, you've had another van which we will talk about um, r.i.p wonder yes but um so what van do you have currently so you're currently sat in and very cosily kept out of the rain this is liberté or libby for short as her friends know her she is my 2019 long wheelbase mercedes sprinter camp van build i started her in march 2021 and i finished her on 14th of june 2022 I believe so we're roughly about two months into van life now and I'm absolutely loving every single second of it amazing and what facilities do you have in Liberté am I saying that right yeah Liberté as, as posh as you can possibly pronounce Liberté. it Liberté yes <laughs> um, so Liberté obviously freedom in French if you didn't know mm-hmm. um, so my first name is Paris but no one ever calls me Paris apart from my mum when she's really angry mm-hmm. um, so I thought you know go with the with the French theme obviously freedom obviously that's what we're trying to do we're trying to be free and enjoy our lives so freedom liberté um so the facilities that i have facilities that i have in my van um as you know i am a glamour model and adult performer so i needed to ensure that i could still continue doing my day-to-day job even though i was living in a van so my main number one priority was not food was not sleeping accommodation it was a shower i have beautiful extensions and I need to make sure that they are washed and kept proper and clean so that I can go to work and obviously do my job. So I am incredibly lucky to have a full tiled hot water shower that when I heat it up it takes about 20 minutes, 25 minutes to heat up normally which I'm able to control from my phone which is really fantastic. I don't know if you've ever been in a obviously numerous different bands I imagine at this point mine's I'm very lucky because I have a a boiler system that allows Mm -hmm. me to put it on a timer so I can go out do my job and set it to come back for a certain time so I have hot water Um, and I normally get about a 20 minute sometimes 30 minute depending on what water pressure you put it on shower so that's enough to shave my legs wash my hair do all of the things I need to do that sounds amazing (laughs) Mm -hmm. especially if you imagine like cold winter nights and stuff Mm -hmm. it also runs off my my heating as well as the hot water so I can put the heating on and the shower ready for when I get back into the van whether I've been hiking or hard day at work or whatever almost like you would do for a house so I'm really really lucky with that I also have a full working oven uh, four hob burner and grill and full working oven I have cooked a Sunday roast in there and it didn't go terribly like it went quite well (laughs) I didn't burn anything everything cooked it was amazing Um, I have a fridge that is a little bit smaller than I'd like, but obviously Mm -hmm. everything is kind of doll's house size in a van, as we both know. Um, I do have a freezer in there as well, so I can make ice cubes or, you know, if I need to put anything in there to keep long term. I have the very important wine tap. Oh, really? Did you not know I have a wine tap? No, I didn't know that. Have you not seen the wine tap? No, I have not seen the wine tap. No. I'm going to have to introduce the wine tap. So... When I first installed my sink, I have my my normal tank of water, which I will use to wash my dishes with. And I said, okay, I need to have a fresh water tap as well, um, which I can have, you know, filtered water on or something for me and the dogs. However, um, I ran out of filtered water maybe about two, three months ago. And I went, hang on a minute. I could put a bottle of wine on this. 
so I tried it out as a, as a joke really and it worked so well in fact that I've decided to keep it as a wine tap so it's now labeled the wine tap I put different bottles of wine on there and you can just flick the little switch and pour yourself a glass of wine You're wherever you are that's so brilliant I love it I mean if you're going to build your own house build it with a bloody wine tap yes so where's this wine tap it's then? just behind the sink you can yeah. see the little pink dial over there oh yes i yeah. see it mm -hmm. i will pour your pour your glass of wine up it later oh amazing um <laughs> i have a 12 bottle wine cooler but exactly well underneath where you're sat yeah um, and then aside from that just tons and tons of storage that was the my other main concern with the van was as a glamour model and adult performer i have a lot of clothes and lingerie so i needed to ensure that i had space to, to put my Louboutins. you know what are you gonna do when you've been hiking and you need to come back and dress up you know you need to make sure you've got room for your Louboutins. so all of my overhead storage with my clothes and then all of my under storage for my shoes so if you look where my kick plates are on the kitchen yeah. Normally your kick plates underneath the, there would be maybe just the struts that are holding up your work surfaces or maybe some pipes, etc. But I realised a huge amount of wasted storage space. So I actually made those so they fold down and all of my shoes can be slid underneath. Okay, and how many shoes do you have? How many pairs of shoes do you have in here? At the moment, I'd say roughly 30 pairs of shoes. Really? <laughs> that is including two pairs of hiking boots and horse riding shoes, but mostly high heels. And some wow, sandals. that is incredible because you—they're obviously very well stored because there's mm -hmm. not anything like cluttering up the space at all. So that's amazing. Do you like my shoes? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and what about clothes? Do you have a lot of clothes in here? So I have a, a full double wardrobe. Um, I actually had a look at my friend's wardrobe recently. She's just moved into her house. She's got custom built in wardrobes, and in comparison to the size of mine, the the width of them exactly the same the only difference in mine is the length because underneath my wardrobe I have my boiler system so that's kind of blocked mm -hmm. off you can see over there so you've got yeah. um, double wardrobe width of normal wardrobe but just slightly shorter so my dresses do tend to bunch up at the bottom but it's no 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 travesty so plenty of room in there for all of my designer dresses and, and garments etc and then the overhead storage is all for my jeans uh, t-shirts shorts that kind of thing and also, which I discover, if, if there's any of the sprinter owners listening to this podcast, the two front seats, they lift up and oh, there's right. nothing in there. So there's just like two empty boxes. When you lift the two front seats up, there's nothing in there, a couple of wires, that's it. So I use that for all of my excessive storage. So for instance, jumpers and stuff, which I might mm -hmm. not need now because we're in the middle of the summer, I can put those in there and then get them out again when we go into a colder climate or if I'm traveling, etc. and I need them. So more amazing. than enough storage in here for most of my wardrobe and I have a lot of clothes. That is amazing. So um, do you have a heater? You said you had a heater in here. Yeah. So I umdenard about the diesel heater, which kind of everybody decides to go with. And they normally do one of two options. I'm sure you'll agree. It's either the cheap Chinese knockoff or you can go for the more expensive German one, which is about £600, which is quite expensive. My main concern, like I said before, was really washing my hair and having that hot water on demand. If I come back from a shoot and I need to have a shower, and sometimes, believe me, in my industry, you need to have a shower, um, I wanted to be able to be able to jump straight in and not have to wait an hour for that water to heat up. So I decided to go with a Tuma boiler, which basically works both for my heating and it works for heating my hot water up. It is an excessive amount of money three thousand pounds really yeah yeah but the one that i bought was kind of higher caliber than what i really did need that's made for like one of those big rvs that you'd find in america or something okay. like that yeah it's not really meant for a small sprinter van like i have but i had the resources to be able to buy it i, I wanted to be able to have that timer to be able to set it and i have tried it in the winter it heats up ridiculously quickly to the mm -hmm. point where after 10 minutes of having the full heating on you've got to turn it off because you're sweating yeah, um, yeah and I've insulated the van so well that it really does retain the heat which is very lucky unless you're in 40 degree heat like we were last weekend mm -hmm. and then it sucks then it really sucks oh really what was it like it was horrendous for the first night obviously because I've insulated it so well when the heat gets in here is not getting out but then I remembered that I had invested in the second best thing in the entire world and that is aircon oh really you've got aircon in here <laughs> amazing so it wasn't something that I'd ever planned at the beginning of my build it wasn't something I'd put into kind of the diagrams or anything when I was kind of figuring out where stuff was going to go originally when I was looking at different aircon units my, the main reason I realized this is because I'm going to Italy in August and I've got two black dogs and I was like they're going to die yeah <laughs> so I needed to make sure that they were going to be able to survive the trip to Europe 
Um, so I was looking at different um, aircon units, but most of them fit into the roof and I don't have any spare space on the roof. Mm -hmm. I've got my kayak rack, I've got my roof box, I've got my solar panels and I've got my vent fan. There's no room up there, hardly enough room to sunbathe, let alone for an aircon unit. Yeah. And most of the aircon units that you can get online are massive, they're huge and, and very expensive. So I wanted something that was portable that I could have either in the front or in the back, depending on where the dogs were. And then I found something called the Zero Breeze Mark II. And it's basically a portable aircon unit, the same size as, say, like a large toaster, I guess oh, wow. you'd say. So it's like okay. not massive. Yeah. And it doesn't go on the roof. It's basically a portable one. It has a battery attached to it. Um, and you put the two tubes out the window, so it's pulling in air and putting out air. And it will drop the temperature in this fan. Well, I, when I put it on, it was like, I think it was registering in here, it was 36 degrees at one point over oh the weekend. God, yeah. And it dropped it down to 18 degrees in about 30 minutes. So That's it's an incredibly powerful yeah. piece of kit. My main concern was it was going to drain my battery. But because it has an, a battery itself, you charge the battery up. And then that battery then lasts for five to six hours. So although it might take, I don't know, maybe 40% of your solar power charge, mm -hmm. it will then last off the battery itself for, you know, five, six hours. So it works overnight, yeah. you can put it on sleep mode. Honestly, one of the best buyers I've ever bought. Much more important than Jimmy Choo's. Yeah. Much more important. <laughs> it sounds like you've made the decision to invest in high quality equipment. And that is a great investment, I think, if you can do that, because you get a, such a better quality of life, I'd imagine, and it pays for itself in the end, you know. I definitely agree with that. I do understand that I'm very lucky and I am one of the lucky van lifers that came into this project having quite a substantial amount of money to be able to spend on it. Um, I sold my house in 2020, so I did have the finances to be able to put into my new home. I knew I was going to be living in this for the foreseeable future, so I didn't want to, to skimp and buy cheap equipment that was going to break or I was going to regret in the long run. I wanted to spend the money up front straight away and hopefully reap the benefits of it. And a lot of the stuff that I have purchased comes with like three or five year warranties. Oh, so brilliant. I do yeah. feel like I've got, you know, although I spent a lot of money, I do feel like I've got a good amount of product for my money, if that makes any sense. And it definitely has benefited my life in the last two months that I've been living in this full time. Very happy with my setup. Let's move on to the interior. So <laughs> one of the things that I loved about meeting you was just how girly your van was. It was so refreshing to see such a girly van. So can you talk to the listeners a little bit about your color scheme and your inspiration for this van? Definitely. So every home I've ever had, aside from obviously my, my parental home where I grew up with my family and stuff, um, I've always lived with partners and I'm sure that everybody else out there can agree when you're living with someone it's a compromise, always a compromise, whether that's not so many scatter cushions or okay you're not having pink as the main colour in the living room. So this was the first time in my entire life that I got to choose exactly what I wanted. If I wanted to have a picture there, I could have a picture there. If I wanted to have pink fluffy bed covers, I could have pink fluffy bed covers. So when I started to realize that this design, my home, wasn't just the layout I was choosing, but it was everything from the curtain fabric to the color of the sink, I could have anything that I wanted. I decided why go half-heartedly into this project. If I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it big. So I decided I wanted something glamorous, almost like a high-class, bougie London apartment on wheels, basically. So I went for nice high-quality fabrics, one-off pieces. My sink is from a wonderful independent seller from Etsy. Um, she's, I think she's actually from Ukraine, which, you know. Oh, okay, great. You know, bless her. Yeah. Um, and she made that sink personally for me for this van. And I sent her some pictures of it, and she was so over the moon that obviously it looks so perfect in here, and it really is a statement piece. I hope that anybody's listening is going to go and have a look on uh, Instagram and, and see how stunning it is. I'll make sure yeah. I uh, leave the link in there in case anybody Definitely. wants to go and purchase. Yeah. from her as well so I just wanted to make it unique to me and something that I could get into in the evening after a long day at work and go I'm home and feel like it's my house and I really truly do feel that everything from knowing where all my cutlery is to knowing what you know if I said oh I want that pink dress with the love hearts on it I know exactly where that is and it's so nice that I have that organization and everything pulls it together so my curtain rails my curtain poles my sofa cushions even down we've got the dinner plate set up at the moment haven't yes. we um everything kind of matches and flows and it looks so pretty and aesthetically pleasing so not only does it look pretty on camera but 
for me personally, this is an expression of my personality. And that's one of the things I love about the van life community is that no matter how wacky or crazy you are, you can express yourself through your build. That is so true. I completely agree. Yes, everyone's personality comes out, doesn't it, in their van. What is this colour? Is it? What would you call that pink? Is it dusky pink, would you call dusky it? Dusky pink or, or pastel. Okay, yeah. So we've got lots of dusky pink and pastel pink in here. Mm. And we've got some amazing stuff like your neon pink girls that travel, travel sign yeah sign and beautiful map of the world in pink and yeah it really is stunning thank you so beautiful. much one of the yeah. things that i am um, i found so interesting because i spent hours and hours when i first got the van on amazon trying to search for you know pink this pink that and obviously there isn't a lot of it out there like pink detailing stuff and then i realized that i could actually order anything that i wanted in just the standard color sand it prime it spray it pink and then make sure i put a good lacquer on it and it lasts forever so loads of people say to me how did you manage to get everything in the same tone of pink or the same color like how does everything match so well and it's all just because i use the same spray paint that i bought from b q it's called rose gold and i just sprayed it on everything and it just it just works so well and i absolutely love it yes i love it too i have to say and actually that's a good segue into the fact that you've put a lot of hard work into this van because you've actually converted this van pretty much yourself yeah yeah um, I'm incredibly proud to say that I built this van, which when I sold my house at the beginning of 2020, um, I remember obviously moving all of my furniture out of there and to the point where I couldn't figure out how to take down my curtain poles, not even put them up, take them down. Yeah. <laughs> I left them in the house because I couldn't figure out how to use a Phillips screwdriver. I left them there. So to go from the woman that couldn't take down a curtain pole to the woman that built a van, for me is the most empowering feeling ever. Um, I was always the kind of girl that'd be like, oh sweetheart, the light bulb's gone out, please can you fix it for me? So now I'm like, oh, you need to completely rewire your house. I'm sure I can give you a hand with that. And it's amazing to think that I am capable of those things. And I think it just goes to show that you don't necessarily have to have training or background and stuff. If you have the time and the perseverance to actually learn and make mistakes and then, you know, recover from that and try again, you can achieve absolutely anything as long as you set your mind to it. So for me to say as a, as a glamour model that I built a van, I'm incredibly proud. Yes, you should be proud. I have so much respect for what you've created here, it's unbelievable. Like I can so relate to what you just said, I'm exactly the same, but I'm starting to realize like I can do it. I just need to believe in myself and, and try something. But um, no, I, th I think it's a beautiful space. Thank you so much. A lot of people, when they look at this, they kind of go, oh my gosh, I could never do anything like that. And I always try and explain to people, this wasn't my first attempt. I didn't just throw this together. I'm not just naturally, amazingly talented. What you're seeing here is an accumulation of two different things. First of all, when I had my first van, obviously this is van Mark II, I made so many mistakes. I fucked up my language on absolutely everything like i had to rip stuff out try again the amount of times i had to go back to b&q in the same goddamn day to get the same product because <laughs> i'd broken it because i hadn't read the bloody instructions it, it's unbelievable so this everything that you look at whether it's these upper cabinets whether it's the cooker the sink the shower whatever i have tried three times to get it to look like that none of this has happened this is hard work and perseverance and realizing that i've done something and it's almost right but it's not quite to my standards and then having the patience to rip it out research it and then try it again and i do appreciate i'm very lucky in the fact i had the resources to be able to do that but you know knowledge only ever grows if you continue to to work on it you know you're never going to learn anything if you only do it once oh that's so true and like you, to develop you just got to do it haven't you you just got to start that journey so this might be a good time so you mentioned that this is obviously the second van you've had so we're going to talk about something that's a bit sad now mm. um so you did have a van before what happened with that van yes so when i first sold my house very long story short, um, I wasn't actually planning on going into van life at all. I was planning on moving to California. Uh, that's where my father's from. I was going to make a new start over there. Obviously, we're in the middle of the pandemic now, so we're going back a little bit. So I sold my house, sold my car, put all of my stuff in storage, uh, sold majority of what I did own, turned up at the airport with my dog, and uh, I wasn't allowed on the plane. 
they refused to let me move to America because obviously we're in the middle of the pandemic and my lawyer had um, fucked up on a couple of bits of paperwork. Mm. So I found myself stuck at my adopted father's house with basically nothing, you know, not even being able to work because obviously we're in the middle of the pandemic. And I was sat there just watching different YouTube videos, looking at Pinterest and van life kept popping up. And I was like, I've always wanted to do that, but I've never had the time or the finances to do it. And I suddenly realized I do actually have the finances and time to do it right now. And if I don't make that choice to do it right now, I'm never going to be able to do this. So I took an amazing leap of faith and was like, right, I'm not moving to California anymore. I've changed my mind. I'm going to live in a van. And all of my friends told me I was crazy. And I was like, I don't care. I want to do this. So I bought um, a long wheelbase Mercedes Sprinter, the same as Liberté. And I, I got it back and I, I obviously ripped it apart and it was rusted everywhere. The engine was faulty. There were so many problems with it. It was just not good at all. But I was so passionate about making this happen i'm one of those people that if i make a promise to myself i keep it and i work hard and i think for the first time in my life i really truly hit rock bottom with this van so i'd obviously been very very lucky i'd been living in a million pound beachfront villa in brighton i'd given up that house and i was now living in the shell of a 2017 rusted out damp sprinter van wow. and there was there was one evening in particular that will stay in my memory forever I was on an Aldi car park, because I had nowhere to stay, uh, scrubbing the floor on my hands and knees in minus three, oh my right? God. I yeah. was I was so sore and so cold. I went into Aldi, I bought a bottle of three pound wine and poured it into a friend's sippy cup. So I'm now sipping three pound, <laughs> five pounds Aldi wine or whatever it was from a, from a sippy cup, scrubbing the floor on my hands and knees in the, in the freezing cold. And then some kids are outside kicking my van. And I'm just like, how did I go from living in a million pound house to this situation? Like what, what has happened? This is, this is ridiculous. I don't want to be here, but I persevered and I, and I worked worked and and I, everything just started clicking and everything started coming together and my floor was down and my ceiling was up and everything was going well and I put all of my stuff in the back to do my solar setup so I had about about four or five thousand pounds of solar setup stuff ready to be right. installed the next day and then my van was stolen oh my goodness if you want to obviously hear the full story you can go to my instagram and read about it but there was nothing I could do I was informed the next day and I've never felt such a shock to my system I think to think that somebody had gone out of their way to take not just my vehicle but my home away from me I couldn't comprehend it and it it took me such a long period of time to actually realize that it wasn't going to be recovered and they weren't going to find it and I wasn't going to get that back and then to take that one step further and my insurance company refused to pay out um, so yeah, I was stuck there again in the, in the same position in my, in my hot, um, adopted dad's living room, sleeping on the floor, again, no home, no car, all my stuff in storage. What am I going to do? And I was faced with a choice. I either used the la- last of my savings to put six months up front down on an apartment and rent an apartment mm-hmm. and be miserable and my dogs be miserable. Or I put the last of my savings, literally every single penny that I have to my name into buying another van and converting it and starting again and obviously looking back on what I'd already been through on that scrubbing the floor in minus three I'm there going I don't want to do that again I don't want to do that again I don't want to do that again but I knew that the end goal was where we are today and that for me that image that representation of that freedom that I'd have was worth the the pain the torture and the financial deprivation like I wanted that so I did. I spent every single penny that I had and more. I had to take out loans um, to be able to secure the van, to be able to pay for the uh, accessories that I have. I had to work hard. You know, I went from, obviously, when we came out of the pandemic and instead of, you know, going slowly back into work, I had to throw myself back into it again, seven days a week, sometimes two jobs a day to be able to afford wow, to, to get back on my intense, feet to yeah. where we are again. Um, but as we can see, it paid off in the end. And how does it feel, like, obviously telling this story, looking back and being like, 
I knew this day was coming. How does it feel actually sitting here in your van, all finished, at a festival with new friends? Do you feel like you made the right decision? I know in my heart that I made the right decision, but I always knew that. Like every bad experience that I've had, every time I cried, every time something went wrong, every time a burst pipe happened, every time I put a nail through a bloody wire, yeah. I, I would cry and then I would pick myself up again. I go, I know that there's a time in the future when you'll look back on this and you will laugh and you'll be so proud of yourself for what you've achieved. I was telling this story earlier, well, before we started the, the podcast, um, my friend who has a camper van, before I even considered buying one, he took me to a place up in Northumberland, a secret secluded beach, and we watched the sunrise together from the back of his camper van and he made me coffee and we, we just sat there and watched the sunrise at 4 a.m. in the morning. And I went, I would love this. I really want this. And then last weekend I actually took 10 of my closest friends uh, both from my van life community that I've just formed and also from from old school friends or friends that I've known for an entire lifetime I took them all up there with me and we all sat up there and watched the sunrise together and to see those two worlds colliding you know my old friends and my new friends my new home like for us to all be sat there and me to cook everybody breakfast was just a fabulous experience and a true pat on the back almost and like a, you know it was worth it all of that pain broken fingernails bruises financial <laughs> pain everything was worth it to get to where we are oh wow that is such a wonderful story congratulations I think like it's so important to like have those like rituals and stuff and like so nice that you got to go back to that place and be in a completely new space and time in your life that's that's amazing so we've actually got halfway through so it might be good to like go right into the other thing I really wanted to chat to you about which is your work and everything yeah I've written porn star here do you want me to say that or but no you, you can you can say that so a lot of people um have different uh, terms in which they would use such as adult actress adult entertainer um for me personally I've been in the industry for for seven years now which seems mental but seven years I've been doing this job and I have been incredibly lucky and honored uh, no pun intended again I've won <laughs> I've won some awards I've been in some really amazing magazines so I would class myself as a porn star and porn I'm star. really yep. proud of that title Good. Okay, great. Well, I'm going to ask you my first question, which is like a paragraph in itself. So you are an award-winning, industry-recognised porn star who has appeared on the cover of several top magazines and you have many film credits to your name. So how did you get into the porn industry and what is it like being a porn star? That's what we all <laughs> want to know. <laughs> um, okay, so first question then. So I was actually studying veterinary science. I wanted to be a vet, that was my entire dream of my whole life. I was uh, at university studying to be a vet and I met my first ever girlfriend. Beautiful, beautiful woman and she was a webcam model. Now, I come from an incredibly high class family. For those that don't know, I'm a, I'm a Spencer, so that's um, Winston Churchill, Princess Diana. My grandma's a lady, that's all I can say. I grew up in a manor house, I was very lucky. Really? Wow! Yeah. So for me to come home and go, Mummy, Daddy, thank you so much for my private education, but I'm now dating someone in the adult industry and she's a webcam model. They weren't happy. Um, not anything to do with my sexuality. They were happy for me to be bisexual, lesbian, whatever. But it was the fact that I was dating someone in the adult industry that they weren't okay with. And at first, myself, I'll be honest, I was I was shocked and concerned. And I actually said to her, you know, can I help you? Can I finance you to go back to school? Can I help you retrain? And she was like, no, I love my job. I love being a webcam model. I'm earning £4,000 a month from my bedroom. And I get to wow. work when I want to work. I get to travel where I want to travel. And this was a whole new thing for me. I'd never watched porn growing up. I'd n I don't think I'd even ever masturbated until I was about 18 years old. I was quite a late developer. So it was a complete massive shock for me. And she said, look, come on webcam with me for one night and just see how you feel, experience it. And if you still hate it after that, I will consider going back to uni. So I went on webcam with her for one night. We made, I think it was roughly 3,000 pounds that evening in one evening wow. and it completely blew my mind like all we did was kiss I don't think actually we even had sex that evening I think we were playing like a spin the wheel game where we would spin the wheel and they would either win a nude or they'd win a, like seeing us kiss or something and I couldn't believe that there was people out there that were literally willing just to interact with us, just to speak to us, just to have a conversation, not even for us to do anything rude which opened up this whole other avenue in my head of maybe this is a career 
that I would enjoy. So I did some research, a lot of research, into different avenues of the adult industry, not just pornography, but you know, escorting, fetish stuff, domination, uh, dom domination meets and stuff is a, is a yeah. massive thing in the industry. Um, and then obviously porn as well, but you know, even little things like just nude photographs, um, either selling them to individual clients or just doing photography in general, being a model, whether that be for magazine or for private collection. And I decided that this was something I wanted to give a try. So in my spare time from uni, I started to divulge into the adult industry and things started going so well for me and I started getting really recognized, I started getting a lot of bookings that I had to make a tough decision. Was I gonna drop out of uni and make this my career or was I gonna knock it on the head? So I sat down with my parents and I hired a business manager to write up a proper business portfolio for me that with my projected earnings for the next five years. And I sat down with them and went, mum, dad, look, in the next two years, I could be earning 120,000 pound a year, working five days a week, between four to six hours a day with no student loan, with a career that never actually has to end because every single age group, every sex, every gender, every sexuality, there is a place for them in the adult industry. So whether I'm doing gilf porn, whether I'm doing milf porn, or whether I'm doing- What's gilf? I don't know what that is. Grandma, I'd like oh, to Oh, okay, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, for instance, if you're gonna be a catwalk model, there's a lifespan. There's no lifespan right. to porn. You Not can you. be as old or as young, as long as you're over 18, yeah. as you'd like. So there's so much to, to play with, literally. And my mum literally sat there and went, how am I not meant to support you when you're sat there with a portfolio of your projected income, you've planned where you want to work, when you want to work, what countries I want to work in, what levels I'd be happy to do, what levels mm -hmm. I would not be happy to do, because it's always important to draw a line to make sure that you're, you're always happy and everything is consensual, mm -hmm. both to you and your future self as well. Because obviously as you grow in confidence, you want to make sure if there's a line that you say you don't want to cross, make sure that you're, you're comfortable with that forever. And that was it, I decided that I was gonna I was gonna quit uni which I did and I, I went full flight into my career and I have never looked back there has not been once in my career when I went oh, I wish I hadn't have done this I've visited uh, over 30 countries I've worked all over the world I've met some incredibly famous people I've filmed on yachts I've filmed in amazing mansions I've been so lucky and I love my job and if there's anybody ever considering getting into the adult industry but is concerned about their safety, let me just tell you that England is one of the safest places you can possibly start a career in the adult industry because there is so many rules and regulations. Even if you're not aware of them, they're there. Do you have to have like regular testing and all that kind of thing? Is that... So we have a governing body, just like mm -hmm. um, any other industry has. Um, ours is called SNAP, and basically we're a group of people that they meet together every month and they kind of set the rules and the guidelines. And if anybody is um, not abiding by those rules or guidelines, they get outed, they get blacklisted, and then nobody will work with them, whether that be an individual person or a professional company. So you have to be tested, a uh, sexual health test every two weeks. Those sexual health tests have to come from a, a certified provider. and. If if you can't provide a test that is stamped and, and signed by those providers, then no one will work with you. It's incredibly safe, not only sexually, but also professionalism wise. So you're not allowed to come on site, not necessarily set, but on site as in right. even like in the house. Yeah. If you are under the influence of alcohol or drugs, like mm -hmm. there's nothing to do with that. One of the main stereotypes I used to get is like, if everybody, is everybody crack eggs, every, every drunk, is okay. everybody doing, is snorting cocaine on set? Maybe in the eighties, most certainly not now. Yeah. Um, um, you would not be allowed anywhere near production if you were on any kind of drug or alcohol. And it's all very consensual, you know, most of the time you get to pick who you want to work with, um, or if you don't get necessarily get to choose, they will say to you, are you comfortable with this? Are you happy with this? Mm -hmm. When you get onto set, they always give you a list of do's and don'ts, so you actually get to say what you're happy with, even down to like touching certain body parts, mm -hmm. they will ask you. I'll use Brazzers as an example, they are one of the biggest companies uh, in the world, not just the UK. So they will have a specific person majority of the time it'll be a female and what they are is they're called li your li liaison officer so they will basically sit with you and they will have a, f a list and they will read out to both of 
both the the cast or perhaps there'll be you know maybe more three or four of you depends on who's in the scene and they'll go on are you okay with your throat being touched are you okay with your breasts being touched are you okay with your breasts being squeezed are you okay with your nipples being squeezed how hard are you okay with your nipples being squeezed and it will take sometimes 20 30 minutes for them to go through the list uh, you'll also have a safe word you'll also be able to look at your liaison officer at any point during the scene even if you don't say a certain word if you give her a certain look then she'll stop the entire scene pull you to one side and make sure that you feel okay and this is there not just for the females but also for the males because we have to appreciate that everybody might feel um awkward at some point so they want to make sure you're happy with it so i guess the point i'm trying to get across is any outdated opinion on the adult industry you could not be more wrong. It is one of the most protected and regulated industries that there is at the moment. And I'm so proud to be part of it. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that because I had these worries that, you know, you might have found yourself in a situation where you didn't feel comfortable or have you ever been in a situation where you thought, actually, I'm not comfortable with this? And like, what happened from that? I'm incredibly lucky and I think one of the main reasons is that because of my confidence, mm -hmm. I went into this with my eyes completely wide open. I was never coerced into anything. I understood exactly what I was doing from the very beginning. I understand that not every young woman is as lucky as I am, but I do try and be a good role model for people and say like, if you're ever uncomfortable with something, just by speaking out about it at the time, not later on necessarily, but mm -hmm. like straight away, that's the way to do it. So I've only ever had two incidences in my entire seven years in the industry where something has happened that I'm not comfortable with. And I've said, excuse me, I'm not happy about this. We need to stop. You need to stop what you're doing. And if you don't, I'm going to leave and I'm going to call the police immediately and you will be arrested. Do you understand the implications of what you're currently doing? Which by just speaking so firmly and so matter of fact to them, it shocks them. No matter whether that's a female or a male, it doesn't matter. It's going to shock them. The fact you're being so assertive and so direct to the point. Because they don't expect that because they expect us to be weak weak females that, and then they're, they're the superior ones. So as long as you stand up for yourself and your body language is very important, they're not going to mess with you. So as long as you can go into any situation knowing that you are the one in charge of your own body and you yeah. will decide what's happening, then you're okay. Oh, that's great. And also, like, that's not bad for, like working in any industry for seven years with two incidences where you weren't happy that's better than a lot of jobs out mm. there you know yeah. so that's that's really good my friend's yeah. a secretary and she said that she's had at least 10 incidences where people have you know been inappropriate to her mm -hmm. and i've had seven years in the adult industry and only yeah. twice people have been inappropriate oh, to me so amazing. i'm very i am very lucky do you remember your first filming Ooh, yeah i think i do actually Ooh. That is my um, alarm on my phone telling me that someone's in my van, which is slightly delayed because we've been here for ages. Yeah. So might have to update that software, that's concerning. I do remember the first time I ever did a scene. So the first scene I actually did was a girl-girl scene. It wasn't with my first girlfriend. This was uh, after we'd broken up, unfortunately. Um, and it was with a very close friend of mine. And I thought it would be really awkward because obviously we were, we're so good friends. We've been friends for a long time. But in fact, it actually worked to our favour because we've already felt so comfortable with each other. When you're having sex on camera, it's nothing like having sex in your personal life. Majority because you've got to open up to camera. And what I mean mm -hmm. by that is you wouldn't just do normal missionary or doggy position. You've basically got to make sure that the camera can see all of the good angles, if you know what I mean. So you've got to hold your body in positions that just does not feel natural at all. And it is almost quite funny, really, because you're really having to kind of stretch and stuff. And this is a lot of the time why people laugh about making fake sex sounds because you can't really truly enjoy it when you've got mm. a crew of 13 people all watching you and you're having yeah. to lift your legs in the air in a way that you would never normally do <laughs> so I remember just looking at her in the eye as we're, we're doing the scene and us both having a little chuckle to each other but also being so comfortable and so happy that we were making something that looked so good and looking back on it afterwards I think it I don't think it won an award, I think it was nominated for one of the best lesbian scenes, which made me really happy because for me personally, being an open and out bisexual woman, I wanted to make sure that the pornography that I was producing was realistic and quite loving and affectionate rather than, oh my God, oh yes, Jessica. Like I didn't want it yeah. to be ridiculous and stupid mm -hmm. and Americanized. I wanted it to be loving and sensual and realistic mm -hmm. and that, you know, if a young woman was to watch this, you know, kind of trying to discover herself sexually, she could watch that and go, okay, well, that's how 
girls have sex, I can go and use that and take that forward. One of the things that I really hated growing up when I first did starting to watch porn was seeing like strap-on scenes in every lesbian film and I'm oh, like, yeah. I probably used a strap on maybe twice in my life off camera. When you're connected with a partner, you don't need that. Mm -hmm. So it was important for me to show true lesbian sex and, and, and show that the passion and the, the intimacy as well. Wow, that's amazing. I'm loving this conversation. <laughs> I'm really into like- I'm not making you blush, am I? I uh, you are making me blush. <laughs> we were chatting earlier and you were saying how you're pretty sure that you're actually maybe one of the only adult actresses, porn stars that lives in a van. Yeah. So um, you are such a unique character. You are so interesting. Your story really draws people's attention. So um, how have you been received so far by the van life community? And um, have you had any negative attention? And how do you deal with you know, trolls and stuff in general? Do you have to, is that part of your job that you have to deal with? The van life community has been one of the best things that's ever happened to me. This was a massive added bonus that I never really realized was there. When I first started out down my van life path, although I'd obviously seen different YouTube videos of you know YouTubers or uh, you know Instagram or Pinterest, I'd never really got a taste for what the community was like. And I think, if I'm being honest with you, especially when I was younger, I kind of thought that anybody that lived in the van was a bit dirty or lived in a van because they had to and they didn't have any other choice. You know, maybe you know didn't abide by the law or something. And now seeing it from the other side it's completely different and it's such an amazing eclectic group of people that have been brought together through one true love and that is through wanting freedom for themselves whether that's financial whether that's traveling whether that's just the freedom to not have to necessarily abide by the rules that society sets you as in you know you have to buy a house get married you know have a normal job that you work in an office you don't have to do those things so in a lot of ways, my job and the way I live my life already fitted so many of the van life society, van life community themes, if you like. So I found that I slotted right in and for the first time in my entire life, I was around a group of people that were actually really similar to me, although obviously they do very different jobs we all had the same purpose, the same goal, and that was to, to be free and to be happy. I've always struggled, even before I got into the adult industry, with fitting in, for fitting in with society, because I am quite an unusual person in the sense of I cherish, you know, freedom of speech, and I like to be myself, and I'll say how I feel, and I'll do what I want, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else. You know, I will never abide by society's norms. And to then find a group of people that also really appreciate those qualities was amazing and I've made more friends in the last three months than I've made in the last five years and true friends real friends not just acquaintances that you go oh hi and you walk yeah. past like proper friends that you've spent an evening getting drunk with and telling stories that you probably forgot you even had but then someone brings up another story about something that they did and you suddenly just start into this massive conversation and realize how much you have in common and it's been so wonderful and I'm so incredibly lucky been brought into this community and I do agree with what you were touching on earlier is that I think there's a very outdated view on the adult industry there's a very outdated view on the van life community as well I think a lot of people seem to think that we're in this lifestyle because we have to be and not because we've chosen mm -hmm. to be in it and I hope that I can be a role model for the many not just young girls but young people in general to say look I've chosen to do this I sold my house to be here I want to live this life I want to be in part of this community I want this job I'm not being forced into this I've chosen it um, just a little bit as well about because I know I did notice some idiots on Facebook saying some stuff do you get a lot of that in your job is that a big part of it or do you just kind of go or oh, whatever and like how do you deal with those things trolls happen to everybody you know even if you're just a, a pretty girl that posts a picture on Facebook you know you're always going to have those people that are jealous or those people that are out there to get you especially with my industry there is always going to be religious fanatics we'll call them that you know this is wrong this is terrible you shouldn't be doing this they don't see me they don't see me as a person they just see my job role and that's one of the things I've always struggled with I have been dealing with it for a long time and it doesn't bother me I have an incredibly tough skin because I know 
that there might be two or three people on a post that disagree or don't like it or say a nasty comment, but out of those three people, there's actually two, three, four hundred that appreciate it and it means something to them. And you know what, it might only be a moment out of their day but it will put a little bit of a spark into them, whether they're building a van as well, or whether maybe that's something that they want to go and do in the future, or maybe it's a young girl that's considering doing OnlyFans because she's, you know, she's at college and she wants some extra income and she's not sure whether or not it's the right thing for her to do. And for me to be able to give her real advice from someone that does it as well, you know, that has struggled and has benefited, you know, I want to be able to be a supportive role model for everybody and a realistic one as well. I'm not going to sit here and go, everything's perfect and I'm so happy. Of course there's bad times. Everybody goes through struggles and I want to be able to show both sides of, of my coin kind of thing. When I think of the van life community, I think of a group of people who, like we said, people can judge quite quickly. Um, a group of people who are really close-knit, very like-minded, very supportive of each other, and also kind of unusual people that have all come together. So would you say that the, the porn community is, has any similarities um, to the van life community? I'd say it has a lot of similarities. A lot of people that fall into the adult industry, they discover it for quite sad reasons, if we're going to be honest. Maybe they're struggling financially, maybe they've had a bad breakup, maybe they're a single mum and they need to, to find some extra income to be able to look after their kids. So a lot of them have had maybe trauma in their past or maybe going through a difficult time and they've, they're looking for a different avenue to be able to make money or maybe they're just a free spirit that enjoys sex and wants to be able to benefit from doing something that they really fucking love literally um, <laughs> yeah. so you have the kind of the two sides of that and I think van life is very much the same it's either someone that like myself like I wasn't necessarily struggling financially but I wanted to do this because I love it and I love adventure and I wanted to go for it or you have people that you know were struggling financially and they wanted to to do something that would give them the freedom to not have to continue to struggle so you know people that have had maybe not the easiest life in the world then choose this lifestyle and then they suddenly find that actually everybody else is in the same boat and therefore you've got so much in common and so many like-minded stories and you become friends so much easier because you have this massive thing in common. I'm quite surprised that I haven't found anybody else in the adult industry that also lives in a van and I'm hoping mm. that over the next few years maybe we'll see some more arise or maybe there are actually a few out there but they're just not known at the moment so I'm hoping over the next few months I can maybe try and reach out to some people and, and see if they actually are in the same boat as me. It'd be really interesting to see. Yeah so that's a shout out to anyone listening. If please, you are, get in contact. If that is you please do. So my last question I can't have this interview without talking about your lovely dogs. So you've got oh. two dogs, and um, can you tell us a little bit about them? Of course I can. So I have my beautiful dogs, Marcia and Maria. They're two beautiful black working Cocker Spaniels. They are literally identical. So I actually rescued Marcia um, three years ago. She came from a puppy farm. Oh. unfortunately I saw an advert online for Cocker Spaniels I was looking for one anyway but normally they're about £2,000 mm -hmm. uh, and this one the advert that I saw was £500 the advert was spelt wrong it was all really weird oh God, blurry yeah. pictures and stuff mm -hmm. So I said, okay, well, this is, looks a bit dodgy. Let's go and have a look. And I went round, very long story short, it was like one of those things of how clean is your house? You know, when you open the door and the smell hits oh you, wipe your feet on the way out kind of thing. Um, anyway, I went into this kitchen. There's like a huge pen full of puppies. And the woman goes, okay, if you want the ones that are six weeks old, which bearing in mind, you're not allowed to take them away from their mums till they're at least eight, nine, really. She's like, there's the, you know, an extra hundred pounds. You want to take the six week old ones. So I already know there's something weird going on. So I said, can we see the parent, please, the mum? So she opens the door to the living room and it's just crates of different dogs. Oh, my God. In the and I'm just like, this is, this is mental. Like, I, I'd never experienced anything like that. I worked, obviously, in the, in the veterinary industry. I understand what science to look for, but this was crazy. By this point, I'm holding Marcia and I'm like, I can't put this puppy down. Yeah. Um, so I give this weird woman £500. I leave. I call the RSPCA. Within a day, they were there and they confiscated. Mm -hmm. I think it was like 47 dogs from this You're house. You're kidding me. But obviously, I already had 
had Marcia, so I'd, I'd taken her with me. So I did purchase her, but um, thankfully everything else was shut down. I think everybody survived as well. I don't think there was any fatalities from the dogs, which is really good. So I had Marcia from, I think she was about six or seven weeks old. I actually literally had to bottle feed her oh when, I, when I first got her, but we're incredibly bonded. Anyway, she's happy and healthy and having a great time. And I decided to breed her. I introduced her to a lovely dog called Bentley. They mm -hmm. had a, a little bit of sexy time. Yeah. Um, and then a couple of months later, my puppies came along and she had five beautiful pups. Four were golden, like the dad, and one was identical to her. So I decided that I know I'm living in a van. I know two dogs in a van is not a good idea, but I couldn't say no. So I took on Maria as well. So now I've got M&M and I wouldn't change them for the world. Amazing. And how do they like van life? They bloody love it. I was so concerned at first. Obviously, Maria is still a pup. She's nine months old now, but she was seven months old when we moved into the van. And I was like, she's going to chew everything. My skirting board's going to be gone. She's been so well behaved. They love the fact that every day when I open the doors, they've got a new back garden. They're so well behaved off the lead it's almost incredible they have what I call a five meter radius so they'll run anywhere around me circularly for about five meters and then they'll turn around they'll come straight back they know where home is they're getting used to everybody else in the van life community now they know who's friend and who's foe they'll jump in and out of other people's vans and stuff and they play with everybody oh, so they're, they're so incredibly well behaved very polite but also incredibly protective, which is something that I didn't expect, but it's almost like an added bonus. Mm -hmm. um, we've had a couple of nights where people have come quite close to the van, not necessarily knocked onto the van, but like, you know, been peering through windows and stuff. And Maria, the baby especially, has really mm -hmm. barked quite aggressively and, you know, to protect her home. So it adds a security factor in there as well. That's amazing. And I just thought actually, you would not know that two dogs live in here. It is absolutely <laughs> spotless. It's white. And Just pink. Spotless. So that is really impressive. And the OCD clean. <laughs> yeah, well, it looks amazing. If people would like to follow you, where can they find you online? So if you put in on either Instagram or YouTube, Girls That Travel, you'll find us. Please do follow our posts and our adventures. We are set to leave, fingers crossed, Touchwood for Europe on the 2nd of August, which is incredibly exciting. It's something I've wanted to do for a very long time. We're planning to go out there for between six to nine months. So there's going to be lots of adventures wow. to follow of me and the doggos. So please do join us. Amazing. Oh, brilliant. Well, it was such a pleasure. It was an honour oh, to speak to you. you today. Thank you so much for taking time out at the Van Life Festival for this interview. And yeah, I wish you all the best with your trip. Thank you very much. Girl power. Yes, girl power. <laughs> High five. Thanks for listening to She's at the Wheel Van Life Podcast. You can find She's at the Wheel on Instagram and Facebook. And if you want to write to me, it's she's at the wheel at gmail.com. If you have a spare minute, please rate She's at the Wheel Van Life Podcast five stars on iTunes as this helps other people find this podcast. See you next episode.